It is that time now once again For getting lumped up with my friends It's rock a mic And Rob that you should know And you'll find them here on the rock show people welcome to a special episode of the rock show and this is uh beatles get back um review the great documentary by peter jackson and also um mike is reading the new lou reed's book and he'll have a review for you after we'll do the beatles but um let's all talk about this Beatles documentary supposedly this was the thing that led up to the band breaking up supposedly the later rumors yeah yeah, uh, how you doing today, Rob? All right? Pretty good, man. Good, good morning. Good. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, this has been the biggest, uh, you know, media thing for the last week or two. You know, uh, the, the Get Back documentary about a documentary. It's really yeah. what it is, okay, uh, by Peter Jackson, who we all know did Lord of the Rings and all that stuff. He makes these big epic films. He made this eight-and-a-half-hour-long documentary about the let it be documentary movie using all these outtakes that he was made available to i think uh paul mccartney was involved and a lot of other people were involved with putting this together as well um it's amazing uh you, you know if you're a if you're a casual casual fan of the beatles it's watchable because just to see the interaction between them is is interesting. And, of course, you're looking at it 50 years ago. You're seeing John and George still alive. You're seeing them young. They're still in their late 20s. Okay, you know, it's hard to, hard to imagine that, you know, seeing it now 50 years later. Um, but for a, for a big Beatles fan, which I consider myself to be, um, what's really interesting is is seeing how they can pull songs out of the air you know mccartney sitting down dicking around and coming up with let it be like like you know like how you know what i mean Where that funny, none of them were into this song one of the biggest hit and these guys are not into it they're like God, yeah this. yeah <laughs> yeah i mean look at this point you know they had uh the white the white album was completed a year earlier, uh, less than a year earlier, and uh, they were almost done at that point. And they went into the Let It Be. Uh, Ringo had left already at some point before the Let It Be sessions and came back. And uh, I, I think between John and George, you know, you know, Paul was kind of like the only guy that was serious. Yeah, you know, John is a clown okay you know everything is a joke with that guy which personally when i watched all nine hours of it eight and a half hours of it i said to myself if i had to work with that guy in the studio i'd punch him in the face because he's never serious he's never serious at all and you know yeah, it's, 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 good around all around. The time. it's good to joke around have a good time i mean it's it, you know they're young that's fine but there's a time and a place and you got to knuckle down and try to figure out this stuff and he just was constantly just fucking around. That was his personality, you know, and I, I guess that's okay. But that had to be hard to work with somebody like that a little bit, 
Okay. And what you, if you remember, uh, they were, when they were talking amongst themselves uh, with some other people, it might've been, might've been Linda, I forget, uh, you know, some of the other, or some of the producers of the, of the uh, let it be movie and the, the guy who owned the studio and all that stuff. Uh, they were saying how they hardly even wrote together anymore at that point. Okay. Even though the songs were credited Lennon McCartney, it, it really was like a separate thing, you know, cause they, they, they were, they had stopped touring a couple of years before and really became a studio band. And I guess when you do that, you don't really write together anymore. You write when you can at home and then you bring it to everybody. It isn't like when you're touring and you're working together on a song and you have that closeness, you know, it just was different by then. But even with that, Rob, I mean, it's amazing. The, the music that, that just came out of them. Right, that's what, you read the words. Right? The music that came out, they were making this in the wink or they needed to do a special whatever, maybe for the studio, they need to do a special, they haven't done a concert, they want to have people come in, they want right. they had this vision, and um, Paul McCartney was like, just playing and putting songs together and doing it, it I thought that was kind of impressive. Well, in the, in the first episode, if you notice, probably even more than in the last two, because it's three parts, uh, yeah. he was almost like, he was almost like a drill sergeant a little yeah. bit, okay, at moments. Um, and, and you need a guy like that in the band and I get it, uh, borderline kind of dickhead really. Okay. What is the way he's, he was talking to George. Now he had the, you know, he said a million times that he's had, he has the utmost respect for George and his playing, but George you fucking laugh George, at the end, at the end of the first part, he's, he's out, he quits and they have to take, they have to have a sit down at you know, one of their houses and, and discuss it. They said it didn't go well, but then he comes back anyway, you know, and right before he left, it was interesting. Cause you hear him say like, you know, you only need one guitar player here. This is what you just need one guitar player. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, Oh shit, man, he's, he's going to leave. You know, what do you think about this guy when they brought in Billy Preston? Billy Preston was the fifth Beatle. I mean, anybody that knows the Beatle history, they couldn't have done those later albums without him. Uh, guy came in, did his business, great piano player, sat there with a smile on his face. He was probably high, you know, and just like, you know, whatever. And 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 I will say this too. You know who I think was stoned during the whole fucking thing? Ringo. Of course. Yeah. Dude, I mean, he just... Just got the stupid look at his face, and then he yeah. You know, he, he's high. He's, to he's totally high, and and actually at that point, and he might he might he was drinking too, and they they might have downplayed how much he was drinking, because I know at that point in Ringo's life, like his the woman you saw him with was his wife Maureen. Yeah. Okay, Starkey, and uh, they they broke up a few years later, but he. Uh, he was drinking a lot at that point and, and messing around and stuff like that, but he was drinking a lot. I think they kind of, they showed him a couple of times with a glass. Maybe there was beer or wine in it or something. I don't know what it was, but you know, he was definitely out of it. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. he just got the, but, but you know what? That's like, okay. I mean, he probably, the guy wins the patience of the year award just for being there and being able to just do these songs over and over and over. And, and, you know, 
you know, that was, I think, was the hard part about watching episode three. They just kept rehearsing, 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 rehearsing. It was like, wow, man. It's well, like when with, with Paul McCartney. That's I, how you make an album. Going, I'm in love for the first time. And he's trying that lyric and he keeps yeah. singing it. He keeps repeating it, repeating it. And him and him and uh, Lennon are going back and forth with the verses. And yeah. It was pretty incredible to see that. In the first episode, it's like these four guys just hanging out, talking. You know, what else I thought was really fascinating was some of the songs that they were working on that didn't make the album. Yeah. Okay. Like uh, what ended up being on John Lennon's solo album, Give Me Some Truth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is a great song. But they actually worked on it as a Beatles song. But it obviously never got done. It just was left for later when, when Lennon... Lennon used it when he when he went solo. Also with George Harrison, isn't it a pity? Because mm -hmm. that ends up on All Things Must Pass. Yep. Okay, his his solo record. Um, if you remember too, that they actually were working on Let It Be, and you know it it all falls apart. Okay, see, like what you don't see at the end of that documentary is how they sh they practically shelved it. They had the masters, George Martin produced it, and they just didn't want to put it out, and they gave up on it and recorded Abbey Road first. And if you remember, our, like our Phil Spector yeah. uh, show we did, you know, John Lennon approaches Phil Spector with the masters of everything they recorded and said, can you do something with this? And he said, I'll try. And that's the Let It Be record that everybody knows. Mm. Okay? And McCartney didn't like it. McCartney didn't like how it sounded. He didn't, particularly the long and winding road. He didn't like all the choruses that Spectre put on it and built it up and produced it. He wanted it to be like a simple piano ballad. That's the way he envisioned it. But Let and, It Be turned out to be one of their biggest hits. Well, not Let It Be. I'm talking about the long and winding road on that album. Oh, okay. He didn't like. Uh, Let It Be, I think, he, I think he was satisfied with the song Let It Be. Yeah. But as a whole, the album Let It Be, he really wasn't satisfied with the Spectre production. But they don't even talk about Phil Spector at that point because he wasn't in the picture yet. But the album, the album did pretty good. You know, it was one of the very well oh, it's one, albums. Yeah, it's one of that. It's I mean, uh, there's no such thing as a bad selling Beatles album. It doesn't exist. All right, so all their albums did well. Um, sometimes I, I, I in the whole history of the Beatles, I just kind of wish that they didn't end with that album because it's not an album that I go to all that much. This is my opinion. You know, some people love that album. I, I like it a lot, but there's some songs on there. I just, you know, skip like the long and winding road. I can't, I can't listen to that song. Yeah. You know, well, it's, it's too sappy. Uh, uh, oh, watch your COVID right there, man. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> I said, watch your COVID. You said, watch my cocaine. <laughs> um, you know, you know, you know I, what I thought. What do you think of Yoko Ono just being there, like sitting next to them? You know, they 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 made a at one point. They're all saying how they have to accept Yoko because John and her are together, and they they're in love, and they want to be together with each other every second. And I think that kind of flies in the face of, of of maybe what the people have thought for the last 50 years that she broke them up, okay? But I'll be straight with you. If it was me, 
she'd be very distracting. All right, because she's sitting there in all black like she's at a funeral, okay, really not doing anything, okay, getting up once in a while, moving around, getting some, give, giving John Lennon a piece of gum, you know, something like that. And and I'm kind of like, why are you there? You know, and but but Linda was there too. Yeah, but she wasn't sitting right now. She stayed out of the way. She Sometimes. stayed out of the way. She took pictures, but this one was like right on top. I would have been like, if I was one of the band, say, you know what? Take a fucking walk. Yeah, yeah. I would be like, you can't have her right in front of us like she's the audience. It's too, it's too distracting. But, but I don't know if you know the whole thing of her breaking up the Beatles. No, I think they had problems, you know, yeah. before that. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't her. They definitely had, because they even made a comment, oh, people are going to think we broke up because Yoko was sitting at the top of an amplifier or something. Yeah, they, right. They were even saying that, yeah, which wasn't wasn't true. I mean, it, you know, but keep in mind, too, they recorded Abbey Road right after this, okay, and would release it before Let It Be. And they had, if you remember, they were working on the George Harrison song, Something. Yeah. At one point, he brings that out. They end up using that on Abbey Road. And, you know, I mean, if you listen, if you think of the songs on Abbey Road, like Here Comes the Sun, something, okay, uh, what else is on? I mean, there's, I, top of my head, I can't remember all the whole thing. But it's like they wrote a whole other album after that was put to the side. Could you imagine? Pretty I impressive, wish, man. I, I wish they, I mean, like, I wish I wish they made a movie about that, how they recorded Abbey Road real quick and put it out. And it's I like Abbey Road. There's there's some great songs on there, you know, and and but let it be, they, they just couldn't get it together. And uh the the you know, Peter Jackson, I kind of feel could have made it a little shorter. What do you think? He could have, but you know what? He likes to take That's what something. he does. He's just like that. He's one of those guys that likes to take something and make it longer than it is. Yeah. That's, make that's that just up. the way he does it. Yeah. And I don't know. Have you ever seen the Let It Be movie? No, I've never seen it. Okay. It, it It's a lot of that same footage, but from different angles and different outtakes. Um, and you do get to really kind of see how they were not – getting along so good this stuff showed them in a little bit of a happier light despite some of the stuff that they did show of the negative but uh and, and that in itself kind of you know punches holes in the whole thing about them fighting through the whole you know there was always stories they were you know at blows with each other basically over this record and fighting in the studio but that wasn't really true you know they just like it, it it was a it was more of a slow breakdown than than a hot breakdown. You know what I mean? Uh, they 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 you know they tried to make a make a uh, they, you know they were trying to do a TV show that was that was being discussed. In if you remember, that fell yeah. apart. Okay, the and they special, didn't know yeah, the, the special the TV special fell apart. They couldn't even do it. Yeah, they couldn't do it. They couldn't get it done in time. You know, it was just so hard working on these uh, these songs all day long you couldn't even get a tv show together then they were trying to figure out what kind of live thing we would do which brings it to the third part okay where 
you get to see all the stuff on the roof. I mean, that's epic. You know what I mean? I mean, back then that was pretty ballsy kind of move to do. You well, know, what I like is like how patient those cops were. Right, they were there talking to them and then turning them and then smiling and yeah. And the cops like, can you tell them to turn off the amps and all this other stuff? Because there's right. one point that I think um. There must have been a power failure up there because you see uh, Leonard struggling to try to get his... Um, yeah, his some, some, they, they turned the PAs off and they were just going with their amps or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and it kind of they probably couldn't hear too good. But, yeah, uh, and people, because of the angle of the building, you know, this was just like a, a typical London block, all the buildings together, you yeah. know, one after another, kind of like in New York, and you couldn't see them if you were down on the street all right unless maybe if you were far off and you had clear clear shot but, but you could people that knew who they were they would say oh this is the beat i like the one lady i don't like him i was in my slumber yeah, oh yeah she, they interrupted my sleep i know you, i was thinking the same thing this was like two o'clock in the afternoon or something i think you know whatever it was it was during the day but then you had the one guy who had to be probably in his sixties at that point. Okay. And he says, Oh, I like I like the Beatles. Yeah. And the guy asked him, Would you let your daughter marry one? He's like, sure, they got money. <laughs> the people on the street were funny, man. They were asking yeah. questions. They were asking they like these two girls about Yoko and uh John. And what do you like, think oh, of that? It's his yeah. choice, blah blah blah. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. Nobody really, you know, dumped on him too much. Uh you had the guy across the street that was pissed off because they put a camera on his building or something. Yeah. He probably is wanted to get paid. He yeah, probably is, is there a camera? Maybe there, there's no camera. There goes, no, there's no yeah, camera. There was. There was a camera there, man. It's great. Because you, like you see the angle from across the street of the, of yeah. course there's a camera there, you know. I but like the way they did it. And then the other concern was the um Wait on the roof, remember? Yeah, they were concerned it wouldn't hold all the equipment. I mean, could, geez, could you imagine if they went through the roof? But, uh, you know, they hadn't, and, and if you think how big that was, they had not played live for like three years, something like that. Okay. And they go out and they just do this thing on the roof. And it, you know, traffic goes to a halt. People are out watching, listening, trying to figure out where it's coming from. Most people knew because they knew Abbey Road Studios was right there. So they yeah. knew it had to be there. But uh, people were like, oh, is that the new Beatles song? Because they never heard it. They never heard it. It's pretty cool. amazing. And that just like the way they did it. And um, even when the cops came, the cops really didn't throw them out. They just they didn't want to. Yeah, they didn't want to break their chops about it too much. But I, I think I guarantee you they were getting complaints because they were saying we can hear you all the way from another street that's far away. They named the street, like Compton yeah, Street. Say, we got about 30 complaints. Yeah. We got 30 complaints. 30 complaints, yeah. <laughs> it was like, do you understand which band you're stopping, you're complaining about? You I know. Idiots, the I, know. Beatles. I know. I know. Some people just the got cops are there, but then the, like the like almost like the sergeant, the head cop coming. He was yeah. pretty nice. All right, they're, they're on the roof. All right. Let me go up there. Let me check it out. They, they were young. They were young guys, probably in their twenties. Those cops, you know, they were probably fans. You know, see, they were Karens even back then, Rob. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that lady that was sleeping, that lady, that oh, was yeah. definitely a carry. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and anybody with 30 people that complained, they were Karens too. Yeah, it was funny, man. It was just yeah. like, wow, man. But uh, um, overall, I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty good um, done project. I thought it was beautifully remastered. They fixed yes. a lot of book um, footage, and the thing that they didn't have footage for, and they just had the voice. They would put pictures in and do all kinds. So I thought it was very well done with all that. There wasn't that much of that. They had a lot of they had a lot of footage with the yeah. sound, um, and I appreciated that he didn't really use any footage from the Let It Be movie. It was different angles, different takes, different, yeah. you know, I think there was once or twice he used something that might have been in Let It Be. Now, I hope, what I'm hoping is that with all this doing well, that somebody puts out a proper release of Let It Be because it has not been released since VHS times. Wow. It's never been mastered on DVD in any real way. You can get it, but it's like a transfer copy. So I hope somebody goes ahead and does it because it's an interesting I haven't I haven't seen Let It Be in probably about 25, 30 years. But it's 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 a great film because it it just like this shows how everything was made. That did too, but even before. So it was kind of like, you know, it just was cool. You know. They used to play it on MTV once in a while, the movie. Yeah or clips of it, you know, and uh, has the stuff on them on the roof and, and basically a lot of the same footage, but from different angles. I just hope somebody does that. There is a book related to this Peter Jackson film, though. Oh, there is? Yeah, there's like a coffee table-sized book. I was looking at it. Amazon had it, I think. So you could, you know, I don't know if they're planning to put this all out in a box set. Are they? I have no idea. They did they, they might, but because right now it's available. So if you have Disney Plus, yeah, you can get you can watch available. It. You know, you can you can just buy it. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like if you want to have a physical copy, like a DVD, like putting it out on Blu-ray. You know what? They, they might do it. I don't think I can't see why they wouldn't do it. But nobody um, gives a fuck about that anymore, right? Like no one cares. Everything is just like if you stream it, right? No one really. Yeah, I'm, can, I'm I'm old school, you know. You I like stream, to have a copy. You can stream it with Disney Plus. You can stream it as much as you want. That's the other thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, it's gonna. It's not going anywhere. It's gonna stay on that app, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'm just wondering if they're gonna come out with some kind of box set, something with the book, maybe uh, it'd probably be two hundred dollars or something, you know. But still. You know, if you're a big Beatles fan, you you know you'll invest in that. Everything that comes out with the Beatles does really well. You know what? You know what might happen too with that. Um, it might just um, maybe Peter Jackson will uh, redo Let It Be and refilm it or do it. I yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe that would be cool. You know, like a brand new, you know, like a brand new, like total brand new movie. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I'll give it four stars. What about you? I definitely give it like four star. Even I, I even considered it like five star because it was damn, yeah. Damn that's what good. I mean. Like I the most the full five star. It was actually done. I would I would give it I would give it four out of four or five out of five. However you want to rate it. Um, it, it it's a little tedious. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not. I want to say it's not the easiest thing to watch. 
But even with that, watch it. It's could, fascinating. Just to it's see fascinating. It. Yeah. Because um, I also like when they had the hidden uh, mics and those talks <laughs> that they had. That was kind of interesting. Yeah, I thought that was kind of strange how they did that. What what made somebody want to do that? You know, and say oh, it's okay. I don't. Why I guess not? why not? Right? Yeah, but you you know you hear you hear them talking in the kitchen, you know, and it's like okay, and they're talking about George and all that. It's like, yeah, well, you know, they had a problem there. They definitely did. They had a problem. They had to fix it because <laughs> they knew that they know they knew they couldn't do it without George. He needed George there as much as whatever was going on. All four of them in a room. It's like holy shit, you got magic. That's all it yeah. is. Yeah. You couldn't just bring another musician, like, oh, I stopped playing George's part. It wouldn't be the same. No, you couldn't. George had a had a particular style. If if you know your Beatles, you know you know George is playing, you know, when he's playing. Oh yeah. And uh I just think Paul McCartney was a pain in the ass. He was a fucking drill sergeant. He was a drill sergeant, but again, it it it, it was something that probably needed to be done. Yeah. Otherwise they wouldn't have been able to do anything because Lenin was a clown. Yeah, that's why everybody say that they needed him to be there just because yeah. you needed Yeah. You needed him. Yeah, you know, but I also understand how George felt the way he did. I mean, he had all these songs. Everything that ended up on All Things Must Pass, you know, really was stuff that he had presented to the Beatles in one point or another, almost everything. And okay. You know, the funny thing, or any of those movies could any of those songs could have easily been, been one. in any like the white album or it could have been in yeah. anything yeah yeah that's why all things must pass in my opinion is the best beatles solo record because it's really like a beatles album in a lot of ways you know but it's just all it's like the george album you know yeah you know the which, quiet which was a fantastic album if you haven't seen it uh, oh yeah yeah and we did a good podcast on that too we did a good show on that last year yeah or, well, about a year ago, right? Yeah, it's definitely over a year. So um, right now, Mike, uh, let's talk about your... Uh, you've been reading a book by Lou Reeds. Do you got the book with you? Yeah. Um, I got this book called Perfect Day, okay? And it's about the life of Lou Reed uh, for a certain period of his life. Um, it's written by Betty Kronstadt. Now, Betty Kronstadt is Lou Reed's first wife. And he was with her from 1968 to 1973. They only married at the very end of their relationship, but she was with him during the whole, that period. Now, that's a very interesting period, but it's called Perfect Day, An Intimate Portrait of Life with Lou Reed by Betty Kronstadt. Came out in 2016, and um, so it's five years ago already. Now, um... I've, I've, I'm just going to say I've been in, in contact with Betty a little bit, and she's she's working on some projects related to this, um, trying to get her on the show. She, she, she's receptive to it. Let's hope it can happen. But I wanted to talk about this book because it's, it's a very interesting read because it's about a period in Lou Reed's life that's not well documented, and that's kind of like – the period from 1969, 68, 69, when the Velvets were breaking up to when he gets his fame with Transformer, Walk on the Wild Side, and then the following album called Berlin, okay, which is a, a whole story amongst itself. 
Um, Betty was a, you know, was a young girl. She had, I think she was about eight years younger than him. And they met, uh, I believe it was like in a hospital, like he was visiting a friend and she was working there and he actually sees her and says something real, like, you know, you'd probably be me too'd for this today, but he just was like, you know, Oh, what do you, you know? You look good. You look normal. What are you doing here? You know, and she's like, oh. she's like, well, I, well, like I am normal, you know. And then he actually grabs her ass when she goes in the elevator. All right, so oh, man, that would totally be a me too. That would you'd get me too for that. But <laughs> what, what's interesting about this book is, but you is, know what's funny is not me oh. too if they like you. Certain people get away with things. Yes. Okay. We won't. We'll, let's not. Let's not get into that. But you're right. But because she um, ended up marrying him. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, she 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 did she did uh, after a few years of kind of being with him, and as he got his life back together, when he left the Velvets, he actually went back to Long Island to be with his parents. Wow. Okay, and he was only about twenty six, twenty seven something like that. And he went back to Long Island to be with his parents. He worked for his father. His father was an accountant and Betty was with him and he was writing and he was trying to figure out how to go forward again with his music. At one point he decides to give up music and write strictly poetry or literature. And that doesn't go over too well. People, didn't really respond to it. He had some poetry readings that did not go well. Yeah. Um, what's Shocking. that? Well, I mean, he, he, I think they viewed him more as a, as a rock star than a poet. Yeah. Okay. Now I, I'm a tremendous Lou Reed fan. Everybody knows that. And I, I consider him as important uh, a songwriter as Bob Dylan or even Paul McCartney. Okay. Wow. Uh, I, I think that, you know what he did to 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 rock and roll music in his in his words his lyrics it's 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 always been more about the lyrics with Lou Reed than the music you know but the music has has been good too he's he's got some great songs just musically but interestingly what he was trying to do was bring this kind of like street level lyrics into rock and roll talk about stuff that was never talked about before, like heroin, okay, and and you know homosexuality in a way that was never talked about in never was talked about in a pop song or you wow. know a rock song of any kind, um, and you know songs like uh, "Waiting for My Man," you know, which he wrote with the Velvet Underground, transformed music, okay, but. You know, he, he had a lot of demons. He had a lot of demons uh, at this period and, and through the 70s, really, uh, till he would try to clean himself up in the 80s. And eventually he would do that. Uh, but, you know, he would battle uh, alcoholism was a, was a main problem. In fact, that was a big detriment of, of Betty and, and his relationship was Man. his drinking. People would say, "Oh, he was shooting dope," and all. It wasn't so much that; it was really the drinking. The guy would start drinking scotch at noon. 
okay and and you know go all night you know and you know she would kind of have to be not just a girlfriend or you know a wife but like a caretaker yeah you know and she didn't like that she didn't like that she wasn't used to that uh you know, it, it, it had to be hard. Now, this is a period, like I said, like it's not discussed much that 69 through 72 period. Uh, he does have one solo album that he made, his very first record, just called Lou Reed, that came out. And uh, it really was kind of like a bunch of Velvet Underground songs that were never released that he reworked into an album. And I, I actually like that record. It's not... You know, uh, it, it's not considered like amazing or anything, but I do like that solo record a lot. I do listen to it. Uh, and, but then he would come out with with Transformer, okay, in in seventy two, and that was the album produced by David Bowie. And uh, you know, Betty goes into a lot of the detail on that uh, how uh, how his you know because that was his rise to fame with that when Walk on the Wild Side came out. That was a top 40 hit was played on the radio and but he never liked the song he felt that he felt that that it this album produced by david bowie mick ronson and bowie's band had a lot to do with the the sound of the album the production as well and the arrangements and uh he felt lou felt that it wasn't uh, his record okay and she goes into this a lot where she talks about how you know he was so miserable about that okay and you know two things that that kind of i, I got uh, that i took away from this book that I, that definitely affected me was like the song perfect day okay uh off of transformer that that ballad you know, it's such a perfect day. I wish I, I'm glad I spent it with you. You know, it's yeah. all okay. And, you know, I've had arguments with people over the years. I said, no, that's a, that's about a relationship. Okay. It's about some, some relationship, something. Okay. And people have argued with me and said, it's about heroin that he's singing about heroin. I'm like, I don't think it is. I, and I've heard him comment on it when he was alive. And he said, no, it's just about a, a relationship but a lot of people believe this they think it's about dope okay because yeah, he had such a he, perfect day but, but it it it's not because in the book betty says it's about them that that they actually had a day in central park where they did drink sangria in the park like the lyric says and they went to the zoo in central park like the lyrics say okay so it's actually he wrote that for her Damn. Yeah. And and that's, you know, one of his most well-known songs off that album, at least. And, and you know, people get the wrong idea of it. So I'm glad I was vindicated because I've always been saying, no, it's not about that. But the other thing was the Berlin album. And uh, this is when everything really starts to go off the rails in their relationship. Um, you know, he started in the tour of Berlin. Now Berlin was the follow-up to Transformer. Okay. Came out in 73 produced by Bob Ezrin. Um, and 
he had a hard time writing this record. He could not come up with anything after Transformer. He was he had writer's block in a sense. You know what I'm saying? So finally he he writes this record and he is singing it to her in in their room their, their apartment. I think they lived on the Upper East Side. And he's got an acoustic guitar and he's doing the songs and she's listening to these words and he used a lot of situations in her back history okay that ended up in the songs of berlin okay wow. and you know uh you know about having uh there's that one song um the kids on berlin which is about the, the whole, whole album is a concept album it's about a woman and a guy in a relationship it's an abusive relationship they beat the shit out of each other that everybody's getting high and she's got kids and they the authorities take the kids away because the the woman is like really messed up on drugs and kind of a slut and you know everything like that now betty you know he embellished everything betty wasn't like that but betty uh like she was taken away from her mother as a kid wow. so he used some stuff in her background Okay, to write this album, and she was put off by it. She did not like that. She felt you're, you know, you're, you're airing my my life, my laundry, my dirty laundry, exactly. And he said, "Well, I've changed things around, and I, I've had a hard time coming up with anything to write about, you know. And this is it's it's not all just about that. It's about these other people, and he, you know, he makes this record and." It's one of his best albums, but when it came out, following Transformer, which did very well, the critics killed Berlin. They wow. killed it. Okay. And he went on tour, and Betty would go on tour with him sometimes. She used to do the lights. She was in charge of that. Um, but it was really the – I mean, and then, you know, they got married at one point, and then you know, it doesn't last long. It's got to be less than a year. And they get divorced, but she still is kind of with him, okay? And uh, finally, it just goes totally off the rails because he's totally miserable because no one gets Berlin. The critics, yeah. critics that he liked, that he got along with, were, were panning it, okay? And uh, it affected him, and it brought him more into drugs more into drinking, especially. Wow. Okay. And it just finally, you know, it finally fell apart. And, uh, you know, she went on with her life and, and, you know, she, she mentions in the book how all the books of Lou Reed never totally got it right, you know? And so I, I was, I was really, I was really glad when I came, I've read about probably, five or six books on Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground over the years. And this is one that went under my radar. I, I didn't know about it. And uh, it came out five years ago. Perfect Day, An Intimate Portrait of Life with Lou Reed by Betty Kronstadt. That would be Betty Reed, right? yeah. his wife. Now, Lou would go on and, you know, it, it, after Betty, 
you know, he got the, the next major relationship you hear about is the transgender person, Rachel, yeah. that he was with during Coney Island Baby and uh, uh, Rock and Roll Heart and, and uh, Street Hustle album and all that. Uh, you know, that's a whole you can write a, a book just about that. And then he would get married again to Sylvia around 1979-1980 and then he married Laurie Anderson uh much later in the 2000s and then he passed away in 2013 and you know Betty wanted to write this book she said she was very in the book she says how she was you know when he she found out that he died in 2013 all these feelings came back to her and wow. You know, she felt she had to to deal with that. And then reading other books over the years, she never spoke to him again. Okay, there, you know, there's an incident where they're uh, they're in a hotel room, and he's very abusive to her, and Damn. she throws she throws a glass of milk in his face, and that's the last time she ever sees him. Wow, and that's it. They never talked again. Never talked again, according to the book. Now, you know, I, I, I'm hoping we can get Betty on. We can discuss all that. She'd be a fascinating guest. Yeah. Um, I'm working on that. But, but just as far as uh, as far as the book goes, uh, it, you don't even have to be a fan of Lou. It's a it's a great read. It's a great read about relationships and how people will go to all kind of ex, you know the extents people will do for each other even within a, an abusive relationship, you know, uh, he, he didn't hit her too much. It might've been like two occasions or something like that, but he was mentally yeah. abusive to her and, and, you know, she stayed with him. She, it was always like the way she writes this book is, is she, she would talk about things going on and then she would kind of have in italics. She would have like what she was really thinking at that moment. Okay. And it's an interesting read because it's kind of like you see how somebody will say something to their their partner, but really think like the opposite, almost like almost like fuck you. You know what I mean? Like like, you know, I, I'm saying this just to go on in the conversation, but I'm really thinking like, you know, you're doing too much drugs or you're drink you're drinking too much. Like, you know, and, and she kind of does the book like that. And I like that style. I liked it. You know, because it, it kind of shows that that we all do it. You know, yeah. if you've ever been in a relationship, you know how sometimes you got to say things just to, you know, to appease that person. So what will you rate the book? Oh, out of, out of four stars, I would give it. I would give it three and a half. Three and a half, not bad. Three and a half out of four. Read. Yeah, very good read. Um. You know, and you can uh, probably find a book on Amazon, right? Amazon. Amazon. Yep. It's on Amazon right now. It's a good stocking stuff stuff. It was actually on sale when I got it. So Oh yeah. Yeah. Um so if you want to see the Vito's um documentary, um you can buy the um, Disney Plus channel. Disney Plus so app. I think it's I think it's 7.99 or 8.99 a month or you can get the whole thing for 79.99 for well, the whole Disney year. has Disney has all the Star Wars movies, all the other children's stuff and, you know, all these you shows. Get all the, you get to see all the Marvel, you get to see all the old Disney stuff, you get to see all the new um like Aladdin, all the all the films that they turn cartoon into real life film, Dumbo, they got everything on there. It's a great app. 
and they had some some great uh, original Marvel um, shows, and uh, they got some original uh, Star Wars that they do it, like the Book of Boba Fett is coming out at uh, December 29th. But right. you can watch the Beatle documentary, you may get it at one time, and you, one month, if you just want to uh, watch the documentary, it's date 99, and this is on uh, eight, on uh, Disney Plus. But right. I think it's totally worth it. I've been I've been a member of Disney Plus for the last mm, for two years or three yeah. years. Since you it, got it. You got it as soon as it came out. I remember. Yeah, and um, another thing they also have a special that if you want for thirteen ninety nine, you can get Hulu, um, Disney Plus, and you can also get ESPN Plus for a low price of thirteen ninety nine. So you get like. Almost twenty twenty five dollars of um of freaking um of stream for thirteen ninety nine, which is not a bad price. No, not at all, not at all. And again, the book "Perfect Day: An Intimate Portrait of Life with Lou Reed" by Betty Kronstadt. Amazon has it. Uh, anywhere that's got books for for sale, check it out. Uh, it's a great read. I'd give it three and a half out of four. Um, hopefully, we're going to get Betty on the show. I'm hoping. And we'll have a good interview with her. And uh, there's this, just to mention, there are a couple other really good books about Lou Reed too, like uh, written by Victor Bacris, uh, A Life with uh, Life with Lou Reed, I think it's called, something like that. But go, if you're on Amazon, you can see there's quite a few if you're interested in his life. Uh, and also there's a great collection called Pass Through Fire, which is a collection of all his lyrics. Ooh. Okay, I have that, and I have it autographed. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah. I did meet right. the man one time. All right, Mike. So, how can people get uh, get get a hold of you? How can they uh, okay. reach out? You to You can find me uh, on a lot of social media. Rocker Mike two one two on Instagram. Rocker Mike two one two. You could find me on Clout Hub and MeWe under Rocker Mike. You could find me on Facebook under Rocko Mike. Because they won't let me be Rocker Mike, Rocko Mike, and also um, we have the Rock Show podcast group page. A lot of stuff on there. Um, we always have like a song of the day and song of the night, and we try to make it interesting. Got a lot of people contributing now. It's been pretty good yeah. with that. That's the Rock Show podcast group page on Facebook. And um, I gotta uh, send a shout out to uh, the uh, podcast Hate Bartender. I was just on a future episode that's coming out. And the host Anthony was a great guy. He sent me a box of swags, uh, shirts, and stuff. So, if you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, Hey Bartender is a great podcast. It's about bartenders in the industry from all around the U.S. from everywhere. So right. it's a very cool little uh, podcast if you want to listen to. And uh, we also got upcoming. We got a part two of the. Um, uh, Carl DeMarco interview that we did oh, in uh, Carl, De Carl DeNaro, Rob. Carl DeNaro. DeNaro. Right. Carl DeNaro. I'm most correct. Carl DeNaro that we did on Wednesday, and it's part two. And um, this is after he went and met the son of Sam, which was interesting. That's on the Conspiracy 420 show. It'll be up yeah. soon. And other than that, people would like to say thank you, fuck you, and see you next time. And remember... <laughs> Have a good one, Mike. All right. You take care.
friends and everyone you know. Let's get lumped up on the rock show.